Hello and welcome to episode 316. 316. Yes, of the Comics Pals. We're in our we're in our uh we're in our Steve Austin number. I was about Any, to say it's like Jesus. Yep. Anybody got a Steve Weiser going? <laughs> it's like Jesus. <laughs> that yeah, caught it caught me Steve late. Austin, <laughs> my, my Southern yeah. map just kicked in. Sorry. <laughs> so Could you imagine uh, Yeah. Could you imagine uh uh Jesus speaking up Austin 316. I just your right. <laughs> I I'd like to see that. I would like yeah. to see someone should make that video game Austin versus <laughs> Jesus. I'd like to see that. Uh who do you think uh oh who God. do you think um eats the pin there? Well, I think that uh Jesus is a giver. You know, and he he take the job. You know, because Austin's got an ego. So you know, Austin will go home. He'll, yeah, he'll go. He'll take his ball and walk home. Yeah, he's done. He's done. I ain't losing to him. He barely is a contender. He know? just got here. He just he just came back. I've been here. He's got a rocket ship tied to his ass. He gets the push that everybody always wanted. You know. Anyway, yeah. Contrary to what you're hearing now, this is actually not a wrestling podcast, and also that's not Tyler. Nor do you hear Kale because we actually replaced those bozos. We have two very special guests. Here today, we have the creative team from everybody's favorite, Bigfoot Knows Karate and Bigfoot Knows Karate 2, Born Under a Bad Sign. I want to talk about that title. We've got Dan Price and Casey Allen on the podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having us, y'all. Absolutely. Yes, thank you for joining. Um, So before we get into this interview, and I want to talk about Bigfoot Knows Karate, Bigfoot Knows Karate 2 on Kickstarter Right now, if you're listening to this live, say hello, by the way, if you're watching us live. Um, And there are a few days left to join up for that. So we're going to dive into all that in just a moment. I want to let you guys listening know how you can support the show. Uh, We are, of course, the Comics Pals on all social media platforms. You can get us at the Comics Pals. If you want to watch this show live, YouTube and Twitch at 10.15 a.m. Eastern every single Saturday for the main show. If you want to watch our Review show, comics review show, Pals Pulls, that is 6 p.m. Eastern every single Thursday. And if you want to help us out, if you want to support us to the max, that's patreon.com slash the comics pals, where for as little as $3 a month, you can support your boys and you get access to some pretty cool content. Our newsletter uh, this week, uh, thematically, I wrote about my feelings about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, so, We'll be talking about that a little later in our main topic. Um, But yeah, you can get that. You can get our exclusive show, Palling Around. But you can also get your name, your superhero or supervillain nickname shouted out on the show. So with that being said, I want to say thank you to these fine folks. Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro. The Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky. Brian Demolisher Del Pozo. Random Rocio. Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, The Ultimate Fighter Snake of Talons. Thank you so much to all of you beautiful people. Without further ado, let's turn the attention to our guests of honor. So, Bigfoot knows karate. Right away, what a concept. You say that name. <laughs> And it's just like, okay, what the hell did I just hear? What are you what are you telling me now? But what I love about the name, what I love about the concept, 
is that when you hear it, you get it. When you hear it, you you can picture Bigfoot. We all we can all picture Bigfoot. Then you picture Bigfoot kicking someone's ass, and you understand. <laughs> like you understand enough to say, "I need to read that." So, can you talk about the concept, like bringing the concept to life? How it kind of came to you, and 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 why why it was something that you knew you guys had to bring to life. Oh, uh, I I don't think we can hear Dan. Hey, uh, no, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Case, you want me to go first? You want to go first? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, and uh, and lay out the the foundations. All right. Cause... So, um, it started really with a book that I used to do back in the day, and then just had a crossover with Halloween Man. The book was called Latex Avenger. Latex mm-hmm. Avenger was a superhero satire. He oh, had a psychic uh, and spermicidal foam lad, and together they repelled crime ninety nine point nine percent of the time. And uh, so it was superhero satire, Family Guy style, turned up to 11 on steroids. And the, uh, the comic was originally, Bigfoot Knows Karate was supposed to live in that universe and be a ridiculous, over-the-top comedy. And, but it was going to follow very similar tropes to m- other martial arts films and things like that that we've seen before. You know, and, you know, the, the Bigfoot gets hurt and he gets found by the master and the master trains him up and then there's something happens to the master and revenge! You know, and we've seen that so many different ways before. Sure. And so I, sh- and then he was going to go on a cane like journey, and it was this whole thing that he ended up in a suburb of Dallas, and it was really stupid. And so I shelved it, shelved it, put it off to the side, didn't worry about that for a while, but kept the name pinned up on my wall in my office. And um, about 2017, 2018, I started doodling the character again, but more in the style that you see now, and mm. the character looked depressed and introspective and you know you started thinking about the psyche of a bigfoot what would that be like if you were the only one of your kind and nobody knew you and nobody cared and you you were unprovable and what would that do and you know karate um you know so that was like a, a big thing and uh around that time a gentleman named christopher speck another person named drew edwards from halloween man and this guy right over here uh casey allen were all you know, needling at me. What are you going to do with this character? The character school is getting a good reception on Instagram. What are you going to do with it? So I took my sweet time coming up with a kind of a plot line of what it was going to be. And uh, Casey said he was eager to help out and, you know, do editing for the book. So I dropped this gigantic Bible of stuff about the backstory and, you know, where we were going with the, with the, uh, with the, uh, with the arc on Casey's lap. And I said, figure it out. And he did. Uh, you know, and he did. He, uh, you know, helped, you know, make uh, Order Out of Chaos and came on, eventually came on as the co-writer of the book because he was throwing out so many good ideas. I mean, the name Kung Fu Thulu alone, I mean, it's just cool. <laughs> Casey. And, you know, so um, that's kind of the genesis of how it started. And I did the first few pages as a proof of concept to show Casey what this was going to be. And he and I just had a meeting of the minds. We've known each other a few years now through the comic jam. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, and that that's how it got started, really. And we've been running with the ball ever since. So anything you want to jump in with, Case? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Basically, Dan had this character sketch, and he posted on Instagram. And I kept saying, like, dude, you have to do something with this. This is, this is too cool. And he's like, I, wheels are spinning. I have something. And um, I volunteered to come on and edit mm. um, because, you know, I, I have an, another book 
uh, that you know I'm, I'm working on. I have the Comic Jam, and I was also doing a lot of interviews at the time for uh, Spoiler Country, and I, I didn't know that I would be able to to offer anything other than like you know, hey man, yeah, let's let's work on the story. Let's and I kept adding like my dumb two cents into the um, into the mix and uh so there, there's a character in issue one called uh, kung fu thulu um and I, well i was like if you have a karate bigfoot you have to have you know an adversary who is just as ridiculous and uh so kung fu thulu came, came into the mix and um eventually dan just said you do you want to co-write do you want to help me co-write and I, I was really trepidatious about it. I, I wasn't sure how I would do it. And it, it's really is is one of the best working relations I've, I've ever had wow. with, with somebody because oh, yeah. we, we're kicking back and forth and not everything that, um, not every idea that we bring to the table is, is going to make the book, but it's keeping that conversation going and like, I, I don't get butt hurt if he doesn't like my wheezing Kung Fu Thulu idea because, you know, he, he'll have a, a, a decent argument as to why Kung Fu Thulu shouldn't do that every time he says a, a line because, yeah, that's distracting as hell. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, and we got into a little bit of that in issue two. Where uh, he, took he, away a, my, he took away my man-eating symbiotic uh, Venus flytrap is what happened. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <took that> away. <laughs> Dial it back a little bit, and we'll just do a, a regular, you know, a regular Minotaur. It's not you know, one with Venus yeah. flytrap attacking. Yeah, no, but he was gonna have a Venus flytrap attached to his body. It was gonna be rad. But anyway, you don't want to go too I far. But, I am, I am butt hurt. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> So, but yeah, yeah, we bounce ideas back and forth, and mm -hmm. you know, then I'll take a pass at at the script, and then we'll we'll go over it and and refine it into what it needs to be. So that's I awesome. learned a lot about my writing too in this process because I know that I tend to pay like pace things out fairly slowly, hmm. um, and I'll you know go uh, like and dance like no, we got to hit those beats, we got to hit those beats, keep them coming. Because if we don't, we're going to lose people's attention. And, uh, yeah, it, ma it makes sense. Especially it's like Seinfeld scenes. You know, you get in, you do the joke, you get out. You know, it's the same concept, except we're trying to lay out a layer of a story. You know, we have a 37-page -page book for uh, Bigfoot Knows Karate 2. So we're packing a lot into the issue. So, uh, you know, between, uh, you know, the plot that we put together and Casey's script, and then, you know, we were able to, you know, it was funny. I'm like, keep it to 30 pages, keep it to 30 pages. He kept it to 32 pages, which is great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, or 33. And as I'm going back to the script, you know, because we have the plot, he writes the script, I, he sends it back over to me to go do things. And I'm like, okay, we have to add like four pages. And he's like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but uh, we added in the four pages. So we're 37 pages strong on this issue. And uh, but we we introduced a lot of characters. I mean, the first book had very few characters in it, if you look at it. And uh, so we end up we reveal a lot more characters in this issue. We have some exposition we got to get out and, you know, a bunch of ass kickery. So, um, you know, there's uh, a lot happening in issue two for sure. And in, in issue three, just like Seinfeld, B 
Bigfoot is going to have a just completely out of his league lady at his attention that he finds one thing that is is wrong with her and he can't he can't uh, he can't say yeah yeah <laughs> just Success like is over just like in Seinfeld Bigfoot is gonna have a love interest yeah, yeah. and, and I, then and neurotically uh, and neurotically express frustration at something very very minute I always wondered like. <laughs> We're on the soundtrack to this issue. When he walks into a scene, it's going to go boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you guys mentioned the, the 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 pacing and like building out this newest issue, and um, both of you guys being alums of uh, well, or active participants within the comic jam. You know how much of that process and that practice sort of helped formulate this book? Because I can only imagine. Um, when, whenever I would participate, and uh, for any long-time viewers, you know we've we've known Casey for for quite a bit here, and, and uh, as part of the, the Comic Jam community, and so it helps to give you perspective as to how to contain and tell like a tight narrative in a, in a few pages, or at least in one page in a few panels. How much of that do you feel helped to really hone in the craft on this book in particular? So w- with the Comic Jam, is is it's almost a different beast sometimes because you like you're constantly trimming the fat and and trying to refine it into you know into six panel stops if you if you guys don't know the comic jam is a uh an online workshop for artists and writers where every week i will get artists and writers and i will pair them together to uh to do a story the writers have a week to produce a script based on a theme that everyone votes on and then the um a week later, I will pair that script with an artist, and they get about a month to uh, to make their thing. Um, but in in regards to you know writing a, a long form comic, it, it's it's quite different in a way. It's it's good practice. Um, the comic jam is, but uh, also like you you want to be able to to get folks integrated into the story and and um it, it's really hard to do that in in such quick beats so uh we we do kind of stick to our beats on the uh, bigfoot nose karate books like for sure and this i mean there were like four acts in issue one um yeah and we we had to we had to make sure that each one was worth the reader's time mm. and uh issue two is going to be a, a, a different story kind of altogether in that issue one concerned Bigfoot fighting this, you know, several stories, several stories, tall villain. And um, what are you going to do in issue two? Are you going to get, do like a, a 30 story tall villain? <laughs> no, like eventually that gets silly. So you have to tell a good story. And uh, so we're having to do a, a fight story sandwich <laughs> <laughs> um but you know we want to keep the story interesting we also want to uh like there's a reason this bigfoot knows karate and not bigfoot knows macrame or <laughs> bigfoot knows uh auto mechanics like yeah. there's that that's for later on in another series but like right now bigfoot knows karate <laughs> and he's gonna kick some ass before he changes carburetors exactly exactly yeah. dan Oh, you're doing great, buddy. <laughs> doing great, no, sweetie. Um, yeah, you're killing it. Uh, no, um, I think that 
the the comic jam was uh, proof to us though that we could work together mm. uh, oh for sure we did yeah we did a project on the comic jam together and it was uh and it wasn't that he wrote a good script and i you know was able to muddle my way through the artwork it wasn't just that it was we enjoyed working on the project together i thought casey's script that we did it was a tr tribute to steve ditko when he passed away i thought it was absolute brilliance mm. i mean it was one of the coolest things that i've written uh, that i'd read from the comic jam and i was stoked that i got Thanks, to man. work on it oh man yeah no i'm just kissing your ass but it's cool uh the uh <laughs> no but i mean and i got to work on some cool stuff at the jam but this was this one took the cake i mean it really did and uh so when it came time to you know to bring somebody into this the only person you know was casey i mean it was the only person because i'm used to writing like you know one-shot comedy comics about dick and fart jokes and you know and this had to be you know had to be cinematic and wide in scope and just uh you know five issue arc you know action adventure psychological thriller godzilla versus kong meets kill bill with a twist i mean it had to be all of that and uh you know casey came on and really just you know he's hey look he's the heart of the ghostbusters man i'm serious he's he's he's, <laughs> he's awesome man so uh I, this was a good this is a good working relationship and now we've got an extra person on the team and adam caswell who's done some covers for us and is coming on to do side story artwork for you know the, the interiors on a side story uh that we're going to be doing between issues two and three so it's insane you are going to love it it's insane as, oh, as it's an aside you're the first person from the jam that i like talked to in real life not you know tapping on a screen um and that that was it was the first yeah yeah it was the first indication that i could actually like oh i can like be friends with these people outside the jam and you know carry on conversations and and now you know there there's several people um that uh you, you know they're they're my buds the, uh um matt sumo who who's been on this show i i talk to him occasionally um and bug him and bitch to him about stuff sometimes <laughs> um and uh you know pete woods who who does the other the other story with me um the voodoo child he we talk fairly regularly um so yeah and i actually went to a jammer's wedding over the summer wow in, uh, in nashville it was great so um yeah yeah that's so awesome john yeah. carr great guy we, uh uh oh, john carr's cool uh, Sean and I are strictly professional with uh, the, the, the friend relationship outside keeping of the arms link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, got to keep that that professional distance, you know. Yeah, I didn't. Sure. I didn't just see you, you know, three weeks ago huh? uh, at Comic Con for four days. <laughs> How um, was that? Comic Con was Comic Con was awesome. Yeah, um, right. it always is, and uh, it's really cool to get to, you know, hang out and and see, you know, and talk to some of these creators who. We've built relationships with strictly over the internet uh, for the most part, um, especially during the COVID years where like there were no cons. So, and I say the COVID years, obviously we're still in the COVID years. I mean the lockdown years. Um, sure. And so, yeah, for that reason alone, it was awesome. Um, speaking of awesome, I do want to reiterate uh, before we get right back to talking about the book that um, if you are a person who wants to test the water get your feet wet in comics you know make something do the comics jam try it yep this up we're, we're on twitter we're on instagram uh we have a discord that's where we do the actual discussion and votes and stuff 
and um, it's, it's a lot of good people. Um, I uh, personally try to vet everybody that goes in because I don't want somebody coming in and just being a jerk. We have people of all stripes. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want somebody coming in and just, you know, stanking up the water. That's a technical term, right? Stanking <laughs> up the water? I think that's the one I heard, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to try it. I, I can't believe I have it Dude, yet. Yeah. You should. Bring your ass over. It's a lot it, of fun. It's fun, man. It's it fun. Uh, you'd like it. Well, you know what else I like? Bigfoot knowing karate. Um, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> well, because right now on the screen, um, the listeners can see some of the art. I, I've got some art up there uh, from the book. And if you're looking at that, it's awesome. If you're not looking at it, imagine that Bigfoot knows karate. And he kicks ass. And that's kind of the, the concept. And, and I keep harping on that. Because sometimes, especially from a messaging marketing standpoint, what's simple is effective, you know, and it's not just Bigfoot fighting, you know, like you talked about, like there is, there are other things happening, like the, the first issue establishes that, you know, and I don't want to spoil it, I want people to go pick it up, and one of the cool things about the Kickstarter is that uh, it's actually affordable, um, sometimes especially lately, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Comics Kickstarters can sometimes feel a little bit pricey, you know, when you get to that individual issue that's running 15 bucks and stuff. And I'm not okay. trying to denigrate anybody. You have to do what you have to do. That's not a problem. I'm saying that part of the strength of this Kickstarter is that not only is it affordable, but you can actually get both issues. You can get both issues for an affordable price point, whether that's digital or physical. So um, you can see for yourself what we're talking about here. But the fact that it is so good looking is a big part of the draw. So, Dan, um, building the the visuals for this book and yeah. what were you what did you want to bring to this from the visual aspect? Because it looks amazing. I want it. Thank you so much. I wanted to bring brushy, grungy, organic, kinetic. Uh, those were the buzzwords that were going through my mind when I was putting together the art style for this book. It it couldn't look like every other comic out there. I can't draw every other comic out there. Let's just be frank, man. I can't draw realism. That's that's for the pros. For me, it was like we gotta we gotta come up with something different, unique that's gonna fit the the vibe of the character. It's gonna fit the uh, it's going to fit the vibe of the world that we're working in. And um, so those were some really big buzzwords for me when I was drawing it. A loose, you know, just free, action-oriented. I wanted him to feel like there was movement even when he was standing still. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and, and it goes into things like, you know, the, the panel gutters, you know. I mean, just making them, you know, brushy and just loose. That was really really important to me and then even when you added in the lettering it had to be rough and tough and you know just i mean the the word balloons were something that i was really concerned with that bigfoot's you know his thoughts were made you know or the the harbinger character that's in issue one you know that the, the word balloons felt different for her than it felt for the bad guy at the end or kung fu thulu that everybody had a voice you know um so the look of the book was very important. I wanted a page to be not a page, just you know five panels on, on on one board, but for them to make sense visually together. Sure. That you had an anchor panel and a 
grab people's attention and that sort of thing. So that was really my main motivator, you know, for sure in terms of the artwork. The um, I think the the loose panels and um, in particular the way that they're just kind of brushed, uh, the the edges are just kind of kind of like feathered and brushed off. Um, I think it makes for like a really good dynamicism, just because uh, it reminds me of you know old school kung fu movies. Uh, it reminds me of Bruce Lee stuff. I used to watch my grandpa, you know, uh, some old school Jackie Chan where they had transitions in between, or they'd have these signs, and I think it makes the book feel that much more fluid and. The fact that you guys have, uh, I think, done a really well, good job from a pacing perspective as well. Nothing feels rushed. Everything kind of appears as needed. And so uh, those elements tied into the fact that it's represented visually really, really well uh, just helps to really strengthen the book. So kudos to you guys for that. And Thanks I want to very much uh, real quick. I want to share this uh, this comment. Um, Camorian King over on YouTube, who's watching live, says super Cammy. excited for number two. Keep kicking hey, butt, Cam. guys. So, Thank thanks, Cammy. She's awesome. She's awesome. She has a Kickstarter currently going on. Reggie Antiquium. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but she funded in uh, in an evening, and uh, you know, just a good friend. I've known her for a long time on uh, Instagram, probably about three or four years now. And uh, it's great to see that she and she has like the number one webcomic on uh, Global right now. Wow. So yeah. it's really nice to see her uh, kicking some ass and taking some names and getting the recognition she deserves because her artwork is, is stellar. Absolutely stellar. My cat just came over to say hi. <laughs> so you, may, you may hear from him in just a minute. Well, so anyway, one of the one of the things that I actually found impressive because you never know, um, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Um, when you open up a comic book and I, there are certain things that I always look for. One of the things that I look for is dialogue, how much of it there is, um, <laughs> because too much, as we all know, can be, uh, too much. And this book felt like it breezed by when it needed to, the dialogue doesn't overstay its welcome. It's kind of like bang, bang, bang. Um, it gets the thought out, and it gets the point across, and it moves on. And I think that's important, especially for a book like this, that is so focused on kineticism, um, especially in the first issue where you don't quite know exactly what's going on. I think less is more, and I really, really liked that the dialogue was, it felt very fine-tuned. And as I was reading it, I was thinking like, well, if you had to write, one page of a comic book like you do on the comic jam you would have to do you know you'd have to get creative with just how much dialogue you can fit on the page and stuff so um just kudos on that i thought that was impressive thanks man yeah dan dan has the voice of bigfoot down like he he did i think like probably the lion's share of of bigfoot's dialogue benny's dialogue um and uh so one, one thing when, when you're going through the book is like I always am fairly strict about how many words per panel and stuff like that. And also just as you're going, as you're ending the book, going like, what can we cut? Right. You, you got to mm -hmm. cut that fat. Um, mm -hmm. So getting the fat off the page is sometimes it's kind of fun. Like going in with that red marker and just like mm -hmm. zit, zit, <laughs> just going in slicing up the page. That's great. Um, because 
you know, first and foremost, it's, it's not, it's not just a, like a book, you know, you, you want to give the, the, the illustrations, what they need to have. You want to give them room to shine. Um, And uh, I, I often see in new writers, they will overdo it with the dialogue, with the writing, because they can't trust the artist yet. They, they can't trust the artist to tell the story on on their end, so they're trying to overcompensate. Mm. Um, so that that's a, a big one. I trust me implicitly, so, you know, I mean. <laughs> it, no, well, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I agree. Well, no, well, no, I'm just messing around. But, like, I mean, I, I do a lot. You know, we do, you know, when the script is finished, you know, or, you know, in a state for review, you know, we'll go through and cut text and all of that because, you know, let's just get, you know, like I said, Seinfeld scenes, let's get to the meat and get out. And, um, you know, when it comes to the, di- you know, the dialogue in the end, when I go to letter, you know, I'm, I'm the same way as Casey. I, I, I like to limit the amount of words in a, in a balloon. So I'll strap two balloons together rather than, you know, to make it flow better rather than have one gigantic balloon that takes up the whole, oh God, that's just something that pisses me off when I see that in comic books, you know. <laughs> lettering's an art form you know and i went through three sfx letterists trying to find somebody who could kind of get the the speed and the look of what the lettering needs to look like uh you know testing them out you know here do a page i'll pay you to do a page just so i can see what it looks like and everybody got it you know from a superhero perspective they were all like it was all clean and bright and i'm like y'all it needs to be dark it needs to be grungy it needs to be you know it, it has to reflect the book so then and i don't like writing sound effects anyway because i was there was like splish sploosh you know i mean just terrible and um that's spermicidal foam lads uh that's it that's his sound effect splish <laughs> and uh and uh, we well, have foam throwers where he throws spermicidal foam out of guns oh my and, God. yeah they're awesome uh hey man you never seen a sidekick so rad <laughs> um anyway so um so i really that took me a long time just to get the lettering but, but i do a lot of dialogue cuts during the lettering process uh, because you know you're visually looking at the words now it's like okay we can we can cut this we can trim the fat on these words and it's just it's a process man between casey and i in terms of finding the right uh just finding the right balance of words and, you know, just getting the, you know, I mean, he's a Bigfoot. I mean, how much does he really have to say right. in terms of lots of words? You know, you, he's, he's a thinker and he's a, you know, a philosopher and all of that, but he's also, it's like Hemingway. It's, it's, it's stunted staccato, get it in, you know, rather than the Faulkner that takes a page and right. a half. Michelangelo. Right. One panel. You know what I mean? And to chisel a lot of, a lot of marble down. That's right. Get that. Statue of David, tiny wiener, just <laughs> just right, perfect. So. <laughs> so, with the first, um, with the first Kickstarter, uh, you guys are obviously successful. Um, and with this one, you guys have been very successful. Uh, you wanted fifteen hundred. That was your goal, and you're at. You're sitting as of right now at forty two hundred. So huge! Congratulations Thanks, on that. Man. That Thank is you. that is a very impressive number. And for you know creators who don't necessarily who are still building their name and building their audience and stuff like that, you know these waters can be difficult to swim in because there are so many people trying to kickstart their books and. Oh. 
you know, so many projects and stuff like that. And quite frankly, only so much money to go around. Um, when did you guys know that you guys had something that people really, really wanted to check out? Um, and sort of why do you think it is that people have flocked towards your project? So I knew when I saw the enthusiasm that people were having for, for Dan's Instagram stuff, uh, I had no idea that Instagram could be utilized in a way where like a community building way. I, I just thought it was where you looked at people you went to high school with to see if they gotten fat yet. <laughs> so like when, who do you get on Instagram? Uh, there, there is a thriving art community is so very positive there. Like there's so much like negativity on uh, other social media things um, that it, it's, it's kind of hard to, to get away from the noise and actually appreciate the thing for what it is. Yeah. Uh, in Instagram, there's really not a whole lot of like drama and bull crap. It's just people putting up their artwork and, uh, there's a really strong community and folks started sending in like fan art for, so cool. uh, for Bigfoot Nose awesome. Karate. And it was, uh, we're over a hundred pieces at this point. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Case. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I'm when when I saw the enthusiasm, I was already a part of the project, and then I was like, "Holy crap! Like, what did I, what did I step into here? This is this is nuts. I better deliver." That was another thing. I was like, "Holy shit! I better like make sure mm -hmm. that what I'm doing is is worth their time." So ho hopefully, hopefully, I'm holding up my end. The reviews on the book were strong for sure on issue one, but the, uh, yeah, the fan art that threw us off initially. We were like, holy shit, these, these <laughs> people are taking time out of their busy day to draw this character that hasn't even premiered an issue yet. And, uh, it started, you know, I'm, I don't know if we have lightning in the bottle per se, but it started at least making us feel like we, we had something and yeah, we better produce on issue one because, uh, it, you know the hype was already pretty high so um glad that worked out glad people liked the book we had uh one review that basically said that uh you know that the, the ending didn't make any sense and i'm you know that it wasn't it wasn't linear enough and i was like hey you know that and not so that those are not the terms that we used um but it was uh but i basically you know we're not we're not writing a Saved by the Bell episode where it's just like, you know, where it's just an easy story to digest for 12-year-olds. No, I mean, I'm an English major in college, right? You don't work for this a little bit. You know, you're, we're going to, we're not spoon feeding the story to you. You're going to, you know, I mean, think of it like Lost where you're getting questions thrown at you every episode and then you're getting some answers every episode. But, you know, the building of questions is one of those things. And so that's kind of a, an approach we're taking with it. We want to keep questions coming but we want to give resolution too so by the end of the arc you know you will have a a completed story plus an epilogue that casey came up with that will lead us into arc two if we decide to <laughs> yes. go that route oh. so we've got oh yeah oh yeah he's got some ideas burning already and i got a one-shot book that i want to do after the second arc and uh second arc somebody else will be drawing that uh, you know, <laughs> and it, man, you know how it is. Drawing a book's a beating. I mean, you know, with the full-time job and the kids and 
you know, the wife and dog cat and cat's really needy, you know. <laughs> so, um, so there's a lot going on, but having fun establishing the world, you know, through the art, this issue, uh, hopefully be able to main that kind of that maintain that look and feel uh, across artists and then over the next issue, if you, you know, next arc, etc. I think this issue is going to be the one that, that proves it where, um, you know, people were curious about issue one, wanted to see what we're about and, you know, they probably liked it. Can we maintain? And I think that this issue, like we're, we're, we're bringing it that there wasn't a, um, there wasn't a, a second of us writing this where we were like, not thinking about like, oh, we, we need to bring the same energy, bring the same level of, uh, you know, of, of storytelling that we did in issue one, because if we don't, people are going to go like, all right, that was just like a, a goofy idea that was a fun one, one issue. And, you know, now it's just whatever. So it is our aspiration and goal to be one hit wonders. And, uh, <laughs> No, the flock of no. seagulls of indie comics. Well, you failed. Yeah. You failed because yeah. the second <laughs> one is is. I mean, and that's that's the funny thing is like, it's funded, so it's a hit. You know, like yeah. it's it's a hit, and people want more. And and I think um, I think that the first issue, like on concept, you got me. You know, on concept, yeah. I think you got you got most people. But then when you get to the end, at least the experience that I had was. Oh wow, there's something underneath. You know, like there's some there's there's more. Like do I want to read this for X amount of issues if it's just Bigfoot kind of, you know, moseying around uh the woods oh, fighting weak. whatever? Actually, yeah, I probably do. But if, if there's going to be more, <laughs> you know, if there's going to be even like if there's going to be that, but then also something underneath and layers and different things going on that are actually maybe even more intriguing than the initial concept. Well, shoot, sign me up. You know, yeah. like it's a no-brainer if you're into the first one. We wanted to subvert the expectation because the name itself has a certain draw to it. Where it's right. like, mm -hmm. oh, I know exactly what I'm getting here. No, you don't. Exactly. But you're gonna get it and a story because, like, that was that was the whole point. We wanted to. Uh, keep people on their toes and kind of throw people off with where we were going because if it's just two big strong dudes beating on each other i mean you can get that in so many other comics you don't need to have a bigfoot nose karate comic to do that but if you want a story that goes a little bit deeper and you know there's a theme to it an underlying like you know theme throughout the whole series then outside of like whipping ass then yeah <laughs> like uh, you'll i think you'll appreciate it and enjoy it for um for something that, that's a bit more than just a uh, a punch em up yep it's definitely not a monster of the week comic that's for sure if you want to read that go to the go read the hulk you know i mean so i, I think i definitely appreciate it on that end because that was definitely the expectation sort of coming in and sure. you, know, you get the fight you get the you get that moment you're like, okay, that was cool. That was rad. To Sean's point, uh, say, oh wait, we're not done. Okay, and 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 that leads into and builds up sort of the the excitement for the second issue in particular, just because you know that uh, you know that you're not going to get that. And I think it's appreciated, especially considering you know where else, like anybody else, knows where you can find that in the sphere of comics. So to differentiate it in that way, um, a different flavor, which is really appreciated. 
and uh, I, Dan, you mentioned, you know, having to do this with a job, with, uh, you know, kids, having to deal with the family. How, where do you guys parse out the time? Because I think that's probably one of the hardest pieces for anybody who has, who is an indie creator, who is uh, on Kickstarter. You know, where do you find the time to, one, work on the book? But then the second part of that is like the promotion aspect of it. You have to be out there and you have to put in that, uh, put in those hours to really get the, the, the book into audiences. Sure. Uh, 5 a.m. That's when I start working on the comic. Uh, not this week. I'm still recovering from Baltimore Comic Con because I got like four hours of sleep over the course of four nights. So, uh, you know, but um, the, you know, 5 a.m. is the usual time I wake up and start drawing. That's, uh, that's a good time for me. Everybody's asleep and uh, I can get what I need to do done. I sit outside out here on my deck and just draw and uh, knock it out that way. And then, you know, Time in the evenings after, you know, everybody's fed and all that. Maybe I'll knock out another hour or something like that. But I try and get like three or four hours in a day if I'm lucky to uh, to draw every day. And then the weekends, I usually take a day on the weekends and I'll draw for like six, eight hours. And, uh, you know, I mean, it generally takes, it takes me about four days to knock out a page, you know, that way. But uh, if I'm lucky and, you know i do look i do the the art i do the the line art i do the colors you know so i'm real particular about colors so um if you notice in the book that you know colors really kind of tell the emotion and the story and uh you know and act as a almost like a character in themselves because uh they really do set the tone for what's going on in in a, in a scene so um and plus, I really hate the idea of somebody else coloring you know, this this particular artwork, frankly, just because the coloring style is so odd in comparison to a lot of books out on the on the market right now. So I really want to maintain that that organic look. And you know, I mean, I don't really pay attention to light sources. I'm going to be honest with you. I really just kind of yeah, I kind of throw some rules out of the window on this one. I'm you know, not even going to lie, but. I've really tried to use more, you uh, more like stark blacks and stuff like that, especially in issue two when you go from this uh, wooded forest in issue one to this highly industrial complex. That's noisy. That's even noisier. Uh, the uh, I have a neighbor who's a bit of a dick. Sorry. That's uh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so um, I really tried to. I lost my train of thought on that one completely. So Just moving the on. The color and yeah, yeah. Oh, color, yeah, color, yeah. So color's important. yeah i think um people underestimate what it takes the time it takes to produce comics um and you're both family men like casey you have a family and you know Mm -hmm. you you have a you know you you guys have full lives uh it's not easy to do this like you have to fit it into your your leisure time like that's not that's not leisure you know that's work but I guess that's what it takes. Uh, work Absolutely. breaks, bathroom breaks. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it, uh, when everybody's in bed, um, as soon as they hit the, as soon as they hit the sack, I'm I'm up and I will yeah. fall asleep with the, uh, with the computer in my lap, uh, like more often than not, and um, but it, it's all just kind of utilizing that time to to do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and actually do a lot of discussion with dan uh when i get home in the afternoon i always walk the dogs Mm. um i have uh some woods out behind my property 
and uh, I'll walk the dogs out through there and, you know, let them, you know, take a dump on a frog or whatever. And, uh, we're, you know, we're just walking through the Ain't woods, here, boy. digging holes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I'll, I'll chat with Dan about the book and we'll, we'll get it, uh, get things kind of in line with that. Yeah. I mean, and that, and you have to like think about it all day until you get home and it's like, all right, can't start working yet. Got to wait another few hours for the little ones to go to bed. It's just, I, I'll, I'll, I'll notes on my phone all the time. Right. Wow. That's the way of the world now. Um, let's talk mm-hmm. about some of the uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the pledge tiers because there is there is some cool stuff in that. Um, you have you have the standard stuff. You've got the digital edition. You've got the digital two pack, which I love. Again, like if you want to read the first two issues uh, digitally, six bucks. You know, and you can you can get caught up with what's going on and. You know, you're on target. Um, so that's cool. But then if you want, like, the physical, nine bucks. Sure. Why not? That's awesome. Yeah. That's real good. That's real good considering uh, they're 36 and then 37 pages. You know, that's that's good content for the, for the value of it. Yeah. Um, and then I really loved, and I'm going to show those on screen. I really loved uh, the various covers. You guys got some killer oh, covers. Uh, we're for, for really sure for lucky sure. on cover artists. We we got we scored some good ones this issue, and the cool part about the covers is that each of them tells a different aspect of the book, uh, because there's so much going on. You know, Zip Allegria's book introduces a new uh, a new female character that's in this issue. Uh, Jevin Loop uh, brings uh, his cover brings up some uh, some periphery characters in there with chupacabra with a shotgun and uh thermonucleodon and uh so those <laughs> characters are pretty rad and then you know uh adam caswell's covers this beautiful virgin variant wraparound you like that the chupacabra with a that's shotgun. that's funny as that's funny as hell man oh his my story God. I'm, right. I'm giving him an arc and i'm so stoked on it i had to do some major convincing with dan but Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I need I, to see that. Yeah. You guys got the names down. Thermonuclear Don. Thermonucleodon. Yeah, he's a That's kaiju awesome. with missiles growing right out of his back. So, oh, um, man. had fun naming those for sure. And then you know, Adam's uh, cover is a Virgin variant wraparound where he's fighting you know uh, Asterion the the, uh, the 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 Minotaur, and so and Asterion's actually named after. There's a Minotaur constellation that's uh, or a star that's part of a constellation, and it's named Asterion, and so that's where the name for that character comes from. Mm. So not all of them have just wonky names, you know. I mean, uh, you know, we do have some serious characters in there too, but um, you know, but that's the thing. We want to vary it up. We don't want it to just be Monster of the Week. We don't want it to be just you know, okay, now you know a donkey fights you know martial arts and you know, no. Um, we want to do, we wanted, we wanted to bring something, uh, they're not a convention, like a naming convention. Like you go to old nineties comics, it's like, you know, young blood, blood strike, blood, <laughs> dude, blood, blood, you know, all these, blood. you know, I, I hate, I hate naming conventions where you can start to figure out what, you know, what they're, what they're thinking. Uh, like, you know, we have a Bigfoot does karate. We have a chupacabra with a shotgun. Now we're going to let that lie and so... come up with some other stuff. What's up kid? Initially, um, my idea for Chupacabra was that he taught hot yoga 
or or something equally dumb in Ohio. But uh, Dan was like, no, no, we have to. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine a chupacabra in yoga pants? I'm just putting that out. Oh there. my <laughs> god. You know now we do have the joke that we're gonna one day uh, Bigfoot's gonna retire until it'll be Bigfoot does Pilates, but you know. Um... <laughs> I can't wait to see where else you guys take it. Like, like if you decide to do an arc beyond this, and like I, I mean, there's still. Uh, you, I think you said it was five issues, right? So, yeah, there's still stuff to come, but like this can get so wild, and I, I they're called cryptids, right? Cryptoids. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Cryptids. I I love. I never heard that term before. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there was an, a catch-all term that encompasses all these different, you know, pseudo-scientific, pseudo-real creatures that people talk about. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. That's an endless – there's an endless stream of characters that you can introduce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the world of cryptozoology, there's some people who are really, really into it. So there's so. a lot of material to pull from. I mean, we show uh, – characters in this issue that are based on the uh the brazilian electric uh, uh alicante okay which is like a phoenix like bird man okay and uh we incorporated that into the first issue in the first scene where uh one thing we haven't talked about yet is bigfoot he uh there's a he he doesn't you can't see bigfoot okay like that's just one of those running rules in the book that unless the people who are around him are touched see him you know that they have that ability um or you know in in issue two there's another explanation as to why that that's visible that he's visible but he has some control over himself and whether he can be seen or not and when he's not in this plane of existence he shifts to another plane of existence that we've touched on in the first issue and um which is this hellscape that we call the unreal and um so in the first in the first sequence of the second book it takes place in the Unreal, and he fights these what we call electricante, which are alicante that are made of pure are made of pure energy. Mm. You know, so we try and put you know different sw- uh, different spins on the characters and bring out you know. But we can you know, there's a little puck wudgies in this issue, you know, <laughs> which are these little gremlin like devious little gremlin characters that uh, are from lore. You know, so we're we're really able to incorporate a lot of characters into this and get to play with the world's cryptids and uh, have some fun with it. And kaiju too, you know, I mean, creating new kaiju, new cryptids, new ideas, you know, and bringing something different to the table. I mean, you often don't, you know, you got a uh, Godzilla who's, you know, obviously an atomic based uh, kaiju, but take that to a next level when he's actually got armaments coming out of him. That's pretty rad. You know, I'll take that. That sounds different. Well, my favorite character is the rabbit. Oh, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Love yeah, him. love him. He was going to die initially. No, <laughs> does he have a name? Initially, he was going to die, but uh, he he has a name. Bearable. We can't give it yet. Oh, but yeah. yeah, he has a name. Yeah, but right now we're just calling him the bunny, and uh, he's he's great, man. I mean, he's turned into kind of a spirit animal for Bigfoot, and uh, <laughs> you know they had this connection with each other that. Like you said, you can't, like I said, you can't see Bigfoot, but for this brief moment, it's Bunny and this Bigfoot have this moment with each other. And I think that was something that was very important to the character of Bigfoot, Benny, whatever you want to call him, uh, that, you know, just humanized him in a way. And, you know, and just had that recognition that somebody, somebody saw him, someone, something saw him, you know, and that, that was huge. 
the the concept of the real and unreal uh, i thought was a really cool introduction especially the fact that it's access to this sort of mindfulness and meditation and mm-hmm. um i'm the resident swamp thing person on the podcast and that's <laughs> oh the, yeah that's the vibe that i got and so i'm like okay cool Very they're cool. entering this sort of other realm but i think it also plays and toys with the idea of the fact that well bigfoot uh cryptids in general do they where do they exist in this reality or are they not actually real so i thought the uh, seeing that and seeing it visualized was a really cool way to play into this concept of the the entirety of the the cast essentially like how how can we uh how do we toe the line between what's really happening and what is this unreality especially considering that you know cryptozoology is toes that line as well Um, yeah yeah real cool so yeah that that whole thing is we're gonna get a lot deeper into that as as the series goes on as to explaining kind of what that is and how it's accessed and and everything i'm so glad that you uh you you picked up kind of what we're putting down there because it's it is something that is going to play into the larger story quite quite a bit absolutely looking forward to that because that part was real cool i'm looking forward to getting my hands on issue two which is why uh, I am right now choosing to back the project, and I think oh, you guys yeah. should Thanks, too. Man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab the first issue in physical because I. I mean, listeners know that I do not like uh, reading comics digitally, so I'm gonna grab the first and second issues physically. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I. I think that if you're listening to this and you found there we go, just did it. Um, I think if you're listening to this and you found this conversation to be compelling and you think that this is a fun concept, um, you know, back it, you know, support indie comics. If that's a thing that you can do, you know, not everybody can, but if you can, you should. Uh, I think this is awesome. It's a lot of fun, but it's not um, it's not only goofy. It's not only action. It's not only comedy. There's something happening underneath that makes this something that I think you'll want to come back to until Dan and Casey decide to stop doing it. Um, So, yeah, back this project. Uh, You've got a few days left to do that. If you were listening to this, uh, if you were listening to this post-live, you've got four days left. So go go ahead and uh, and check that out. Um, That's – what's the website that people can go to to get to the Kickstarter page. We're going to link to it, but if they're, if they don't see the link and they just want to jump right into the website. Yeah. The easiest way to get to it is bigfootnosekarate.com. We have a, uh, we have a button right there on the, right at the top of the homepage where you can click on that and go to, uh, and go directly to the Kickstarter. If you're on Instagram or Twitter, you can go to, uh, my, my, uh, handle is at danomite139. That's D-A-N-O-M-Y-T-E-139. Uh, I watched way too much Good Times as a kid, and uh, <laughs> the, that made an effect on me. Uh, so anyway, the um, you can go there. There's a link tree on both of those bios you, that'll take you to the website, take you to the Kickstarter, t- t-shirt shop, you know, social media handles, all of that. So yeah, but easiest way, BigfootNoseKarate.com. Go check it out, and uh, you can see some of the fan art there as well. And I need to update that. I keep saying that, but one day I'll get off my ass and do that. And um, the uh but yeah no thank you for if you're listening to this 
please go check out the Kickstarter. If it's, you know, not in your price range, we understand, but we did try to do, you know, $4 digitals, you know, yeah. $6 catch ups, you know, so we, we can make it, it low you know, for, we do, we do, we try to, you know, I mean, yes, there's $150 packages on there where you can get, okay, I'll do a commission for you on canvas, you know, a, a digital commission on canvas for you and you get all four of the regular, uh, the regular books. Oh, can I talk about this? Something real quick about the, the deluxe versus regular editions of the book. Sure. Um, so we have the regular edition where you'll get the 30 page, it's the 37 page story. And then we have the deluxe editions. Okay. And the deluxe editions are going to include an art gallery, some sample pages of the spinoff book that, or no, the side book that we're doing, as well as a director's commentary. So you can click on a direct on, you know, if you remember old on DVDs where they had the director's commentary yeah. link. Yeah. So you go, go to that. So you click on that and it takes you to a, uh, a YouTube video where we have a roundtable discussion and talk about the book at length. And so we can really do a deep dive and explain to the reader where, what it is, where it's going and how we got there. So uh, we did that with issue one, that was a huge success. And uh, so we're bringing that back for issue two as well. So that's the difference between the regular and the deluxe. What deluxe will have more pages, variant covers, you'll get many prints with them and all sorts of good stuff as well. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I right. feel like that's not done enough because, you know, people people come and listen to, to podcasts like this and they kind of want to hear, like, what is, what were the creators thinking and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But you guys can provide that. You don't need me. You don't need Marco. You guys can provide that answer yourselves um, through through things like that. So that's really cool. Well, the thing about it is, is, you know, when you're in campaign mode and the book's not out yet, you want to guard the book. I mean, we sold issue one as a punch em up. That's how we sold it. We never talked about the the underlying. Uh, we just said there was a twist. That was it. Yeah. And um, so we, we go when, out of our way to to obfuscate like what was happening because right. we didn't want to give it away. Um, I made a lot of allegory or uh, I made a lot of allusions to Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and said like we took a lot of our story from that. I don't think Dan liked that very much, but it, it was <laughs> like obviously it's a joke. <laughs> sure, and of course. Hopefully the the listener w would know that, but um, it, it was you know just silly enough for people to go like, all right, let, let's see what this guy's talking about. Sure. So, well, I think with it, I think if if you if you can go to that Kickstarter page, if you can go to bigfootnosekarate.com and. You can leave without saying, I need to read this. I need to see this. I need more of this. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how you're pulling that <laughs> off. Thanks, I, I saw this. I put my money where my mouth is. It's good stuff. Uh, go check it out. Dan and Casey, thank you guys so much for joining us. Before we let you go, is there anything you want to leave the listener with? Any kind of plug, website, social, anything? Just go for it. Um, I'm going to be at uh, the Lone Star Zine Fest in December. That's like the next thing I have lined up. So I've never done a Zine Fest before. So that's here in Austin, Texas. So come check it out. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's table. The table was inexpensive, and it's 15 minutes from my house. So woo! Nice. Uh, nice. It's better than it's better than <laughs> flying all the way to Baltimore and back for you know for a long weekend. Uh, although I had fun. Um, but that's the big thing that I've got coming up next. Uh, we are going to be, I paid for it this morning, Casey. We will be in Huntsville, Alabama in April for the Huntsville comic pop something or other. And that'll be a lot of fun. 
And uh, so we're going to be doing that. And um, hopefully I'll be in Brooklyn this summer for Brooklyn Comic-Con. Oh, uh, hey. Yeah, checking that out. Casey, you should come. And uh, Have you ever been to New York? It might be fun. Yeah, well, there you go. So Marco you and I, area, guys? we're based out of New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so I've applied to that one. Hopefully I'll be there for that. Um, and, uh, you know, get some other shows, getting some other shows lined up. There's, uh, you know, I'll probably be at Comic Blues in Houston this year and then, uh, you know, or next year and trying to get to Dallas Fan Expo. I'd love to get out to Heroes Con in the Carolinas this next year. Uh, hit up, you know, that kind of thing. You sure. know, get out there and try some new shows and do some new things. Really try and travel a lot this year and get, you know, Bigfoot knows karate out to the people. So, other than that, um, you know, just check out the social medias and, uh, you know, stay current with what we got going on. Oh, and share the Kickstarter, please. If you can't back it, yes, at least yes. share it on your social. Yeah. That would be a huge boon to us because we only got six days left. And let's make it count, kids. How about you, Casey? Yeah, check out the Comic Jam. Check out um, uh, my my other book, Voodoo Child, if, if you get a chance. Uh, if, if I have issues to sell if you want them. Uh, call me message me whatever <laughs> a big robot seat guitar um uh also uh just you know be a good person on the internet because there's not a lot of that these days um i do want to say that um and uh yeah thank you guys so much for having us on we 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 always have a blast uh chatting with people about our book and you guys especially um yeah. i uh, this is seriously like one of the the few comic shows that I listen to consistently because you guys always have really good commentary, really good analysis on books, and uh, you're you're all like good dudes and funny at the same time. So um, it, it's it makes I, I work in a microscope for eight hours a day. I'm laser welding in a microscope in a lab. Uh, so. Uh, I listen to your show as I'm at work and uh, it helps the day go by a little bit better. So I, I do listen like pretty much every episode. Well, thank you so much for saying that, uh, you know, you're expressing that you're a fan of ours. Well, I'm a fan of you guys. Uh, thanks, uh, so thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching live, Marco and I will be right back. Um, but again, Bigfoot knows karate. Go check it out. You're not going to regret it. Thanks, Dan and Casey. Until next time. Thanks for having us. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. Big shout out to the uh, Bigfoot Nose Karate guys. Uh, really, you know, cool book, cool concept. I think, you know, um, I think it's worth worth your time, worth checking out uh, for sure. But we've got we've got more show to do. We've got more show to do. Um, we're going to be talking about Black Panther because the movie is out next next week. I'm seeing it uh, next Thursday. So I'm also seeing it on Thursday. There you go. Guess we're not that. doing Palace Pools next Thursday. <laughs> oh, I'm doing Palace Pools. I'm, I'm going to be there. It, mine's literally, my theater is maybe, I don't know, a five to six minute walk. So I got it for eight o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm dipping off the right out of the Palace Pools and running over to the theater. Nice. Awesome. Um, I wish I was able to do that. I got to get all the way downtown. Um, but before we talk about uh, before we talk about Black Panther, we got a couple of things we're gonna do. Uh, I want to read, I want to read a quick, uh, quick listener comment yeah. uh, from the show last week from Perennial Commenter Dan. 
uh, none other, the one and only Dan Trudeau. Uh, so this is what Dan had to say. This was about the uh, this was about DC and James Gunn's takeover and where all that's going. Dan said, given the fact that he made three Hangover movies, I don't trust Todd Phillips to know when to call it a day on his Joker films. <laughs> <laughs> I think a Superman Justice League two-movie package would be the best way to launch their era of DC. That said, I do think starting with the Justice League may be a good move, especially since, unlike the Avengers, DC still has access to their iconic characters. It gives them a shot to finally get out of the MCU's shadow. A long shot, but a shot just the same. There's no way to know how this will all play out, but this was the best option DC had on the table. As Sean said, it's a big win all around. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I like your first point. Uh, fair. I, I think that was in response to potentially me, who I'm like, you know, he's going to finish up his sequel. They're going to wash the, the, the slate at that point. Um, but depending on where they keep it in the larger universe, especially if they continue to keep it separate, um, if they have a story to tell, I'll I'll listen because I like the first one well enough. I think the concept for the second one is in, is really really cool, very interesting and different. Sure. So um, you know what? If if they have me with the second one, and they're willing to to say that they have something to say in a third, I'll tune in. I'm 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 pretty much with you. I I didn't need a sequel. I I was very comfortable with that being the one the one story. Um, but I agree that the the concept of this second movie does it does seem interesting. Um, and who yeah. am I to say no to good story? You know that I'm never that person. An internet critic, you know. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, I I mean I agree with everything else that Dan said. I think DC's winning in the film uh, spectrum, at least in terms of announcements. In terms of hirings, we'll see how things actually play out once we get announcements of real films. Yeah. Um, things that are actually going to release once we see footage, casting, all that stuff is up in the air. But James Gunn and Peter Safran, I don't really think you could be in better hands. Um, people who are actually available. I read I read that, um, well, actually we talked about this on the show, that they approached Kevin Feige at some point And That's he right. declined. So, um, uh gotta love it can you imagine that like that's a goofy like that's a goofy approach first of all to, if you think about right. it, the fact he's like oh yeah wh why don't you leave this world that you've been toying with for the past you know 10 plus years come join our our little uh squad and see what you can do here say like, no dude i'm comfortable i'm i'm beyond comfortable and i have more planned out right I'm not gonna get that also it's worth pointing out james gunn is well there is one caveat but james gunn is the only person who has directed both a marvel and dc film the the caveat would be uh joss whedon but joss mm -hmm. whedon was working from what Zack snyder had done right, um, right so that isn't i don't know well some people might count that but um so James Gunn in a really interesting position to be spearheading the DC films going forward. I love it. I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, yeah, no, they definitely asked. They definitely asked Kevin Feige. I mean, it takes balls to run a, a billion dollar uh, corporation, I guess. 
By the way, question at least. Yeah. By the way, I'm curious. What did you guys think about Bigfoot knows karate? Is that something that you guys uh, that's something you guys want to check out? I'm just curious because it's a different sort of thing. So, um, let us know your thoughts about that. I want to talk about Free Comic Book Day because free comics are great. Comics are great in general. What's better than a comic? A free one. And Marvel has announced their slate of free comics coming up um, for May. It's a little early to be be promoting free comic book day, but uh, Marvel's on top of it. They've got a slate of books that they're going to be putting out this year, uh, including Avengers X-Men number one, which um, I think this is really interesting for a few reasons. Uh, so first of all, immediately obvious is that on the cover not all of those characters are x-men you know um captain america is front and center we've got deadpool who is you know not technically an x-man an x-person yeah yeah uh there's a pretty good mini arc in the the newest wolverine book like issues 20 and something where he tries to he comes and interrupts the book just because he's annoyed that he's not been asked to join X-Force. That's funny. Um, it's Genuinely, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of theories about what this could be. Uh, first of all, this reminds me immediately of the Uncanny Avengers run by Rick Mender. Yeah. So in that book, uh, the X-Men and the Avengers form a unity squad where they team up. Um, because from a PR standpoint, post-Avengers versus X-Men, things were a little rough. Things were a little bit rough, and so the they wanted to show face. Hmm. Um, great run. This gives me those vibes. Also, worth pointing out that Cyclops is not on the page, but he actually is. Yeah, because the guy in the back, if you're look, if you can see this, um, is the character who, in the pages of X Men, Cyclops has been portraying, because Cyclops died, and he can't, he publicly died, so he can't appear in public as Cyclops. So he's created this uh, Captain Krakoa character. I'm dying to see Captain America and Captain Krakoa play off each other. It's such a, a was it the like a Saiyan man kind of situation? Yes, yes. I love it. and like the color scheme is the same as well. So that's funny. That's that's the thing I think of every time I see him. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like every the, the the maybe not the the mask itself, but for me, like the whole getup and the concept sure. of it comes from that. That's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't we don't know a ton ton about what this is gonna be. Um, it does. We do know that uh, this is sort of setting the stage for Fall of X. It's going to introduce us a new lineup um, for a new team book. If this is the lineup, I think it's pretty clear we're getting some form of a Unity Squad. Mm. Um, but the other thing that this issue is going to give us is we're going to get a preview of the new Jonathan Hickman Valerio Schiti joint. Hey, okay. Yeah, the whatever that is that we don't know exactly what what book it is, we're going to get our first look here. So, interesting. I I I'm probably leaning towards it's going to be something Avengers related, less so X-Men cuz if 
if what we've been told is true, he's not going to touch the X-Men, you know, so probably going to be some of these Avengers, Avengers related. And if he's handling this team, does that break his rule? Because they're technically ex-people on this, like slated on this team now, right? I agree with you, and I don't. I don't think this is that project. Mm, okay. Um, I I get the feeling from the solicit that those are separate entities, but this emboldens my opinion that it's a Doctor Strange book that they're working on, um, because Doctor Strange is an Avenger. Oh, okay, interesting. Granted, you could put whatever the heck you want in this. You could put you could put a Jonathan Hickman story wherever you feel like putting it. Sure. But I think if you're if you're trying to put it somewhere where it belongs, where people who it's for will pick it up, I think this is as good a place as any to do that. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and I mean, for this kind of a squad too, I don't know the 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 long nailed person, and I'm trying to remember who that is. Oh, that's uh, is that Siren? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. So we're getting some cool stuff out of that. And I like this as a concept for Free Comic Book Day. You, know, you get a collection of stories. You They're, they're bite size, And you're getting a new book from a, an otherwise uh, like infamous writer right, and, and team. So a good way to also attract people to this book. A real cool way to, to get people in. And then uh, from a content perspective, I think just a, a good way to produce a free comic book. Yeah. They're also uh, going to be giving away copies of uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Venom. Nice. Uh, so this is going to sort of sow the seeds for the Summer of Symbiotes that's coming, um, which, boy, um, I am not excited for that. You don't like uh, symbiotes? I like symbiotes. I like Venom. You know, Carnage. You can you can catch me with Toxin a little bit. You know, Riot maybe. <laughs> but um, it is getting a little hairy. Although I will say that now that I'm reading what's happening in the Venom comic, now that I'm say. all caught up with that, I'm a little bit more intrigued. And by the way, what the heck is happening on this cover? This cover is showing us Venom with... Ghost Rider chains, the spirit of spirit of vengeance, spirit of venom. What's going on with that? I interesting. Okay, I didn't even make that connection. I was I was focused on the fact that it looks like Spider Man's on some sort of glider, and that was concerning. That is tremendously concerning. But we already know that um, Spider Man is like being funded by Norman Osborn. Mm. So I think that's just an extension of that, which we saw in Spider-Man number one. Uh, were you there for that? We did that on Pals Pulls. It was the yeah, um, yeah. This, the the, the JR JR stuff. Yeah. Woof. Oh my god! You 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 can't get on go. this podcast and disrespect the legend. I'm not disrespecting him. Go listen to that episode. I feel like I made my my points clear. Wow. Also, can I just show you this T-shirt I'm wearing right here? This. Cool Yo, and it's kind of like tie-dye too, which is awesome. Yeah, dude. Um, That's I rad. actually got that at Comic-Con. wanted to show it off just because we were just uh, talking about Cyclops. This past one? Yeah. Oh, get out. Nice. Yeah, I'm, dude. I have my, I'm on brand. It's, you know, tis the season. Uh, it's November, man. Hey, I'm ready, dude. I've been, I've been singing car Christmas carols. Wow. Uh, Marvel's going to be putting out another Marvel Voices um, 
free comic book day issue. So you kind of know what you're going to be getting with that. It's going to feature uh, a, a variety of different characters, a diverse cast of characters and creators um, telling you know various different stories um, from previous issues of Marvel Voices. So okay. it's a little bit of a compilation. If you've missed out, you can get you know some of the stuff they did for um, you know the Black Marvel Voices. Uh, the uh, Asian American Pacific Islander um, Marvel voices and all that good stuff. So that's pretty cool. A little sampling, yeah. um, and there is a new story in there as well. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yep. And then uh, the last one is uh, a little cutesy one. Do I have a slide for that? Yes, I do. Spidey and his amazing friends, hey. which is um, you know Spider Man Gwenpool. No, not Gwenpool. Uh, Spider Gwen. And uh, Miles Morales. There's actually this, there's a show on. Um, I'm not sure what channel it's on, but Disney I Disney Junior. Disney Junior. Like. I saw it once randomly. You know, flipping through channels, it was pretty cute. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad they're hitting different demographics. This mm-hmm. feels very much like the the manga approach to comics and like the the addressing of the different populations that you have. Uh, so obviously Avengers and X-Men are huge properties. Spider-Man's another huge property. So you get your big core titles, then you get your side stories, uh, and then you get your kids art, which mm-hmm. is you know a good way to cover this broad board of who the people who consume Marvel comics. So uh, real cool, really, really cool idea. Um, and in particular, I think with the YA audience being just so prevalent and just continuing to grow, you need to funnel those people in to Mar- to the Marvel machine in some way, and I think this is a good way to do that. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is a tremendous line of offerings for Free Comic Book Day. I love that for any for any family you can imagine, like a family makeup, walking mm-hmm. into a comic book shop, hoping to get some cool Marvel stuff, there's something here for every member of your family. Like, e- from the youngest to the oldest and most you know into comic book characters yeah um, there's something for everybody so that's really cool agreed yeah uh let's talk about well i don't know if this is in your wheelhouse marco you know but uh spider-man 4 spider-man um i think i've heard of that guy oh okay all right uh color me corrected so <laughs> This is. I'm not talking about Tom Holland's Spider-Man Four. Oh, we're not skipping ahead to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man Four. I'm talking about Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Four. No way. Is it happening? No, it's not happening. All right. Um, <laughs> we're not here to talk. We're not breaking that news. If we were breaking that news, this show would be constructed very differently. Um. What we're actually going to talk about is what we didn't get from Spider-Man 4. This, to me, is one of the most fascinating stories in superhero film history. Just because up until that point, you know, Spider-Man trilogy, the initial one, uh, is, you know, that's the benchmark for those for those years of filmmaking. The, the golden age of blockbusters, Spider-Man franchise is right up there has to be i can only imagine it's the most successful um superhero franchise of the 2000s 
If that's incorrect, feel free to correct me, but I'd be surprised if that's not the case. The fact that there was not a Spider-Man 4 is remarkable. Um, Sam Raimi, of course, did not want to make Spider-Man 3 the way it happened. Venom was shoehorned in. He was forced to include Venom. Um, and it kind of felt like a parody of itself. It felt like a parody of the drama and the emotions that felt very real and authentic in the first two films. I say that as someone who likes Spider-Man 3. Like, I enjoy it. I can watch it right now. Um, but Spider-Man 4 was supposed to be a return to the roots. And it was supposed to include Vulture, a more classic villain that Sam Raimi feel felt more equipped to include. Um, and we got a little bit more detail into what this movie would have been. The, the Vulture part is not new. Um, that's always been something that we've known. Uh, but during a conversation with Cinema Blend, um, the storyboard artist for Spider-Man films, uh, Spider-Man 4, Jeffrey Henderson said a few things that we didn't know. Uh, we learned a little bit about what the Vulture would have been like. He would have been a very brutal villain that would have nearly killed Spider-Man, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. And then the other thing that was so cool was that they would have done a montage of Spider-Man kind of beating up uh, a bunch of like villains that Sam Raimi was never going to get to. So Henderson specifically references the Shocker, Mysterio, which is so funny, so, so funny, because Bruce Campbell um, was always rumored to play Mysterio in a future Spider-Man movie. And the fact that the plan was to beat him in a montage scene and it probably would have been Bruce Campbell. Like, the fact that we didn't get that alone really sucks. Uh, it's it's cool to have seen... Because at that point, you know, you get to see see his progression, him growing. And it's like, oh, I can, I, I can now deal with these, you know, bads pretty frequently. And I can come in and out and just, you know, clean up. Uh, so I think that would be cool because then it sets you up for the the real big bad at the end of like oh you know he's been doing this for a while he has it down like this other guy's gonna be you know a piece of cake uh but then it turns out it's not so a uh, cool concept uh mysterio getting knocked out like that i feel like he's deserving of something a little bit better he's usually one of the the more uh i guess agile villains around uh spider-man he's able to you know use his his special effects and weave in and out Shocker, I get it. Yeah, you can fuck that guy up, whatever. Shocker is the jobber of Spider-Man <laughs> villains, 100%. You beat him like a drum. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%, but if they were never going to get to Mysterio anyway, let's see him, you know? Let's see him. Especially let's if it's Bruce Campbell. That's incredibly funny. Yeah. Uh, Sylve in the chat says, I enjoyed it in reference to Spider-Man 3 more than the first two. Sylve. I have to ask you how that happened. How 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 is that how is that the case? Like not in a criticism sense. I'm not criticizing your 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 you know your take. I just genuinely want to know why you prefer it um, to the first two. That's I've never heard that opinion before. And to, and to clarify, is is that the Raimi stuff or the the what is it? No way home. I'm I w I'm assuming Raimi. I well, I'll leave it to Sylve to clarify yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. in the meantime, uh, oh, she says, "Yep, yeah." Wow. So, okay. Wow. Damn. All right. There you go. Yeah. Please, 
elaborate. Um, so this is a movie we'll never get. I don't see a scenario in which a Spider-Man 4 realistically happens. I would love it. I know a lot of people would love it, but I just don't see that materializing. And yeah. so it got me to thinking about movies that we could have gotten that we're not getting for some reason or another. Things that were theoretically possible, but it, they just didn't they just didn't happen. Uh Marco, was there a movie I know what movie I think you would say superhero film related, but I'm curious, you know, what what your initial thought on that is. Like of a non never released version of some sort of some, yeah, something that could have happened but didn't. Dang. Um is TV count? Um, unless you have nothing, nothing in film. Sure. I'm trying to think about film. Um, I have an answer that I think you would have given, so I'm gonna give that. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Justice League Dark movie that uh, yeah, Guillermo del Toro yes, was making. That's right. That would have been amazing. Ugh. Yeah. Damn. And he, right he still he, and he still says he's like, yeah, I have it in the back. You know, it's definitely the script's like you know basically done. That'd be fucking cool. Basically done. Actually, <laughs> Ten years out. <laughs> that that actually would be really cool. Uh, that's a shame. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, that's one that I, I, I was definitely excited for, too. I thought that could have been really cool. Uh, Sylv says, I like bad phases and the coming together at the end. Yeah, um, and it's funny because this movie, Spider-Man 4, according to um, Henderson, um, the reason why Spider-Man was able to you know trounce all those villains so easily and kind of is in love with being Spider-Man is partially because he's no longer with MJ in Spider-Man 4. Um mm. at least in the, you know, in, in the beginning on the outset. And it was allegedly supposed to introduce uh Vulture-S or Black Cat. Those are two things that have oh. always been rumored. Um I don't know if they're if they've ever been officially concerned or officially uh commented on, but I feel like I have seen Anne Hathaway's Vulture-S in concept art. Is that Black Pan? Is that Black That is that Black Cat movie still on the on paper? It was uh, it was Silver Sable and Black Cat together. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's been shelved. Yeah. Mm. All right. That that probably would be another one. That'd be interesting. I, I I'm not as familiar with those characters, but I'm aware of the relationship between Black Cat and and Peter, and so I think that as like an aspect of a movie. And then the conflict between that and, and MJ, I think, would be make for an, an interesting, you know, love rom com maybe. Sure. Yeah. To to Silv's uh, to Silv's message about like liking the bad phases and it coming together at the end, uh, I did like the aspect of you know, saves a day and the heroes. You know, Flint Marco turns out to just be a confused soul and whatnot. Uh, I I look back at that movie so fondly. Specifically, specifically because I was watching the that '70s show, mm -hmm. uh, and so um, I'm forgetting the actor's name. But when he plays uh, uh, when he plays Venom, I'm like, "Yo, he made it! He went from TV to movie. Like, I'm following this guy's career." So I was more excited for the trajectory <laughs> of that individual than for the film itself. So I look back on that movie very fondly. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um... 
and and I think in in an earlier time in my life, uh, a couple years ago, a few years ago, my answer to this question of you know what superhero movie that was going to happen but didn't would be Spider Man four, mm-hmm. um, but recent events over the last couple of years have changed that. My answer is a Black Panther 2 with Chadwick Boseman in it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chadwick Boseman, and I think also, um, what is it? Uh, Michael B. Jordan, because we're not going to get his character moving forward. I would have wished they would have saved him rather than killing him off, because I think there was a lot that could have been done with that character. Potentially. And I wouldn't say that that's necessarily off the table, but unfortunately, you know, due to real events Chadwick yeah. is that's not going to happen that's impo- sure. an impossibility you know we lost um an incredible man and i um it's one of the mo- it's one of the the you know celebrity deaths that has affected me the most in my life um recently for the newsletter that we put out on Patreon i talked about you know going into Wakanda forever and my feelings about um you know where things are at and the the wider conversation about recast don't recast um and how that conversation has kind of clouded our ability to be excited again for a Black Panther movie down to the wire we are at this point and we're still having that conversation I was reading the comment section of an article that I'm going to reference in a few minutes. And it was literally all 100% of the commentary was about some people saying they should have recast Marvel sucks boycott. And some people saying, you know, get over it. It is what it is. Um, And it feels so, excuse my language. It feels so fucking disrespectful. It, it really does because you're you're making the conversation about how you personally feel about whether or not they recast a man who really died in real life to satisfy how you feel about a movie. Mm. And I get it. Personally, like in my heart of hearts, I do think they should recast. I do feel that way. But what I don't do is try to encourage people. Everyone can do what they want. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm not. It's whatever. But I don't think it's my place to get on here and tell people, hey, don't go see this movie. Hey, don't support this sure. this stuff. Don't support these black people that are making this this film and that are pouring their souls into this who lost their leader. You know, because of how I personally feel. I don't. That's not me. That's not. I don't believe in that. We shouldn't be negging people for the fact that they have a difference in opinion, like in general. Uh, and, and I think it for over this, the fact that it is such a, it's a delicate topic because you want to respect the actor. Yeah. Um, and you know, people have strong feelings about that inherently, but I agree the, the narrative should never be, don't go see a piece of work. Don't go see a piece of art. Um, no matter the, the controversy because then you're you're affecting the art you're affecting future art and the future capacity to create it 
and I don't think that that's fair, uh, regardless of you know the opinions you have. Um, I, I'm I'm in the same camp as you, Sean. I think you know, recasting makes the most sense, but people are gonna disagree, and that's fine. But don't be like, well, I disagree. You're wrong. Don't go watch it because then you're supporting the wrong opinion, right? And that's the that's the issue is the support of the quote unquote wrong opinion. It's yeah, and it's a it's a politis politicization of a film that really should be in the way that the original Black Panther felt like a cultural moment and it felt like an opportunity for us. And I, I'm not trying to exclude anybody when I say this, but black people never got that moment in cinema. Our movies were always relegated to like, oh, go you know, Tyler Perry, that's a black movie. You know? Stuff like that. We never got a movie where we got to feel good about being black. Not because the characters were funny. Not because they were goofy. Not because, you know, hey, they rose up out of the hood and made something of themselves. You know, or whatever. Not because they, they got away from being a slave. But because they were brilliant. Because they were beautiful. Because their world was beautiful. You know, because they made us look beautiful. I wonder if this is, especially for Wakanda Forever, going to be a similar moment for, um, for Hispanic kids. Because, you know, the, the, the origins have been changed for Namor. Um, the, the aesthetic there is very, you know, Maya, Aztec. And I think to see that, to see the, that history be brought up you know front and center i think is really important and frankly just very very engaging you know for 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 me and similarly not trying to exclude it and i think you know you can you can have your opinions on the on the film on the origin on whatever it is irrespective of who you are and uh, uh and that just looked cool i'm like oh i'm gonna see I'm going to see parts of my history, you know, I'm going to see parts of, you know, obviously uh, brought to life in the context of superheroes, which cool, I'm, I'm in, I'm sold in, but then also, you know, real stuff that happened and, and real stuff that seemingly you can take inspiration from. And that's going to be really exciting to see uh, if he's an antagonist, you know, I guess a Hispanic villain, but shit, a Hispanic superhero on the screen. Nonetheless, it's cool. Well, what I was angling towards is that it's not going to be that. It, we don't get to have it. Sure. We don't get to have it because the conversation around this movie has warped around the one subject. You know? Um, and I hope that Hispanic kids have that feeling about Namor. But think about what we were seeing, you know, four years ago or whatever mm. it was, whenever the initial Black Panther came out. And there were school teachers and some instances paying out of pocket to take their kids to see this movie because they knew they knew how important it was i i hope he doesn't mind you know um me sharing this but casey was explaining that you know given his wife's um job i won't air that out you know she was able to see that there were kids who were you know dressing up as Black Panther in their costumes 
you know, and having a blast and just just such joy to be able to finally have a superhero that's cool as hell, that's black, that you can dress up as and feel proud of. You know, mm-hmm. a movie that children can see and see themselves in that. Blade, Blade was awesome, but Blade was in 99, 98, and Blade's not really for kids. You know, Blade as a character is not really the kind of character that, you know, appeals to kids or that kids aspire. Black Panther's a king, you know? Yeah, yeah. That matters. That absolutely matters. And it's frustrating that, you know, we're having this the conversation the way we uh, have been. But I, I don't want us to get stuck on that. Um, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about the totality of, of everything surrounding this movie's release. So I do want to... Um, shift gears just a little bit we got um the soundtrack track list revealed oh yeah dude that the that first i mean for the first album that's honestly my my segue into kendrick um oh with the the black panther album yeah yeah that was phenomenal to to hear that to hear to to see that come to life and then now that they released this i follow a few artists who have tracks on nice and so it's like wild to see i'm like holy shit they're like part of this in particular um what is the song what is this song? hold on let me find it real quick it is uh they want it but no from mm-hmm. toby and wigway and fat who uh his wife great great musical artists and super excited for that parts of the uh is it contra collective are going to be part of it i don't know that they're directly credited uh but they're also, uh, they also have some stuff here, like a feature or two. And then uh, being led by the track Lift Me Up with Rihanna. Bro, and the fact that she's about to drop some some hot fire soon. Real cool. That song um, I saw was, I don't, I don't have the information in front of me. So if I'm saying the wrong thing, I apologize. But it's done really well. I think I saw that it was the most requested song radio in radio history really i believe that's what i saw um so that's pretty incredible um and and obviously there's a lot of things in that first you know real rihanna song in a while rihanna's kind of been dormant and so getting her for this was really smart and it's awesome that they were able to do that i'm glad that they're putting out another soundtrack that's not just um music from the film but music inspired by the film um, it was a huge success the first time around, and while they don't have Kendrick curating the whole thing, I still think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's um, music and comics go together, so are are, are so intertwined. Um, I think of stuff like Hip Hop Family Tree, uh, the fact that a lot of early rap took for inspiration from comics and and the characters and the aesthetics there shit mf doom you know the 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 way that these things tie together this is a good companion piece in the same way that the black panther album was a good companion piece to the first film it it helps to solidify you in in two aspects that visual and that auditory space where that's where the shit exists exactly um so yeah I'm, i'm very excited for that i can't wait to hear it uh what uh, what I heard though this week, because uh, the whole team's been doing, you know, a lot of interviews. Ryan Coogler's been doing interviews and stuff like that. I actually got the chance to listen to the Black Panther podcast. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Marvel Studios put out a Black Panther Wakanda Forever podcast. Um, the first of several episodes that they'll be doing. Ta-Nehisi Coates actually is Whoa. the host, which is super cool. Wow. Um, and uh, the first guest was Ryan Coogler. That's awesome. That must have been a crazy conversation. Ryan Coogler, of course, the director of the film. When I heard, um, when I heard them talk, I got emotional because Ryan Coogler sounds like he is. He, he I mean, he is from Compton, um, mm. and he very much sounds like that. And um, it was crazy to me. To hear two black people talking the way they talk, the way not code switching for other people talking. They spoke to each other the way I speak to my friends, you know, when I'm not in front of the camera, when I'm not on the microphone and I'm aware of the fact that there are people out in the world who would judge me for not presenting my voice in a way that's palatable to the masses. They were speaking plainly with each other. I never heard ever in my life someone who sounds like Ryan Coogler in that kind of position of power. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just when people say that it matters to see yourself out there, right? Um, There's always that other side of like, oh, why does it matter? I go to movies all the time that don't reflect you know what i am and it's like well respectfully all due respect if you are if you go to the movies and you watch a movie where everyone is in it is black like black panther you would say that's a black movie well if you go to a movie and everybody in it is white what kind of movie are we watching i know know the answer to this one hold on go right ahead i'm gonna go with a movie final answer (laughs) right a default right exactly and people don't get it they don't get it 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 affected me a 32 year old grown man very deeply just to hear just to hear ryan coogler's voice Mm -hmm. never had i heard it before and and then to hear i'm sorry go ahead go no no go for it go finish your thought to hear their conversation about Chadwick Boseman and the fact that they both had, you know, this deep relationship with him um, and them describing who he was, what he meant to those people, to the crew, to the cast, to everybody behind the scenes, in front of the camera, you realize, like, what a man we're talking about. You know, actors, there are a lot of actors in the world he was a great actor. There have been a lot of great actors. But great people, unfortunately, are not easy to come by. Hmm. And he was one of those people. And Ryan Coogler talked about the fact that, um, you know, when Chadwick was cast as T'Challa, he had prayed. He had prayed that he would be cast as T'Challa. Hmm. And then it happened. And when he got on the set of Civil War... He knew that he would have to fight. And Ryan Coogler said that every day Chadwick was fighting 
to make sure that Wakanda was represented properly, to make sure that the accent was right. He worked on that. You know, obviously Chadwick Boseman, not a man who has, you know, an accent, African or otherwise. He had to craft that, make sure that, you know, all of that was was represented properly. He was an advocate because he understood the importance of the character and the importance of that representation to the masses. This was the first shot. Could have been the only shot. Who knew at that point if there was going to be a Black Panther movie? They did not know. And so it was so important to get the representation of Wakanda right in one shot. And he did that on Civil War. Yeah, yeah. It, you set the the default status at that point, right? You're setting the baseline and then now this is the expectation moving forward. And beyond that, I think to your point on like the, let's say the uh the code switching right like there was no need for that here because this is an entirely different country this is a different culture this is somebody that we're where you're trying to capture the very essence of uh i guess for wakanda like in the space of the the mcu and marvel being othered but ensuring that that is not the defining factor right um you to your point on on code switching and i'm I'm looking forward to listening to that now because it's it's very important beyond just seeing that in in theaters um i think even just day to day uh that's it's it's important to be able to see yourself reflected especially in like colloquialisms because that's how you know okay i'm part of this larger group and maybe there's a lack of understanding but at that point it's an education piece right like um i have or i had a boss who uh she grew up in the bronx you know and she doesn't let that shit slide. So she, at this point, it got to a, to a point in her career where she's like, I don't need to do that anymore. People need to catch up with me, right? Like I, I'm, if, uh, and she was this like Dominican girl, uh, this Dominican woman, one of my directors, incredible person, incredible human, so, so smart. And then the fact that she also doubled down on the fact that like, I don't need to change how I'm representing myself in this world. Um, you know, I, I don't need to add an accent or remove an accent from my name or I don't need to like, yeah, I'll say something relatively, you know, uh, innocuous in Spanish. See, si, por favor, gracias, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's simple. But you, you, you understand the context and you know what it is. And I, I don't need to I don't need to be like, yes, or I can I can go up to somebody and be like, oh, word bet. you know, she she <laughs> she made me comfortable feeling like I like, hey, if you're going to swear at work just go for it like it doesn't matter this is this is you're bringing yourself into this and as much as the uh this was representing a a character and representing a nation you're bringing as much of that nation that you're you're developing into the film into existence yeah because it should it should exist the way that it that it is not exist the way that it should be expected to exist yeah exactly um i i completely agree and I think, you know, for stuff like this to work, it has to it has to be authentic. It has to feel real. And that yeah. was something that um that was something that, you know, Ryan Coogler talked about as well in relation to recasting actually. Um he said that in order for the actors to be able to play their characters and make this movie 
um, make any movie. You have to believe in every single thing around you. You have to believe in your character. You have to believe in the actors you're playing off of. All of that has to feel real. And he said that there's no possible way that these actors could have believed in whoever was going to be playing off of them if that person was saying they were T'Challa. Because to those actors, that cannot be T'Challa because Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa. Right, right. And according to an article um, from Gizmodo, they got an interview uh, with Ryan Coogler and um, they got an interview with Nate Moore, who's a producer. Nate Moore said that from Marvel's perspective... They would have sooner canceled the movie outright than recast at all. That it was Damn. never a conversation that they had about like like a legitimate conversation about what recasting would look like. That never happened hmm. because the movie just would have been canceled. Um, and I think that says a lot. You know, we are only we only get to see the final product. We don't get to see or participate in everything that goes into making the movie we don't understand how important chadwick is you know so many comments oh he's just an actor actors can be replaced would you say that if you felt like a mem- if you felt like someone was a member of your family you know when you when 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 your when your family pet for example i'm not com- i'm certainly not trying to make the comparison that chad like to chadwick to a pet but just a family member you know like if your pet dies you don't say oh well i can just get another pet you, you grieve. It, it's painful. It hurts. You know? Um, if your brother passes, you don't say, well, I've got other ones. You <laughs> my know? Parents, my parents are still young. They can, they can squeeze one out. Right. Yeah, like, they, let's just, hey, mom, dad, make a new one. Yeah. That's not the way you think. And so it's, it's actually disrespecting the man's legacy to insinuate that it would be that simple. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but clearly in this situation, it wasn't that simple. And it's just not something that they wanted to do. And I completely respect that because I don't have to act in this movie. Ryan Coogler said that every single person considered quitting at some point that he has to imagine that everybody thought about it. He thought about it. Holy shit. But then he realized that that is not what Chadwick would have done. And... He talked about how um, he talked about how after Chadwick died, he realized that the whole time that that the whole time Chadwick had cancer, that every scene he was in, he was dying. Yeah. And that if he had the strength to do that, and if he could recognize how important this role was while he was losing his life, that in Ryan's case, he could continue because it was just grief. Hmm. But that the movie had to reflect their grief. Otherwise, they couldn't make it because it wouldn't be true. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be able to live up to his legacy at that point. Because you're right. You, when somebody passes, you have to grieve, and uh, I think in in 
in light of the situation, um, Chadwick passing, you know, you have to make that not just for the story, right? But I think for those kids who are going to go see this film, like you need to ensure that that legacy lives on, not just as, yeah, this was a moment, but as an ideology and that you, when, when somebody of this caliber passes, this is how you respect the legacy. This is how you respect their contributions through all that pain. So, um, yeah, I think the direction of that film, not only does it just make so much sense, but it's a, it's a, it's a marker for the respect that everybody in the world at this point will be given will be giving to Chadwick Chad Boseman, but also from the team's perspective to create this and craft this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's just such a, it's just such a testament. It's such a testament to, to the, the character of this person, you know, of Chadwick, mm-hmm. that, it was so important to him to make this character connect with audiences that he never skipped a beat. And no one knew. No one knew. No one knew that he was secret. I mean, obviously his his, his wife knew. Um, but like cast, crew, as far as I'm aware, no one knew. That, and whenever we did that episode, just shocking news because you're right. Like nobody on the face of the earth would have expected that. And that shit happened. And just people were at a loss. At, at a loss to even comprehend the situation. Cause it's like, he's one, we, we just saw him in a film. He looked fine. The fact that he, you have to, you know, as part of Marvel have to go through all this training and stuff like one, one could only assume you're at that point, top physical, you know, uh, status you're 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 doing so well at that point and then to just get that expectation pulled from you it it doesn't feel good well there was an instagram video that um chadwick had posted i'm not sure if it was in 2019 or 2020 but he looked very skinny and Mm -hmm. people were making fun of him that's right i think i remember talking about that Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, it was because he was dealing with cancer, um, and we just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to be affected by this movie. It's the weirdest movie-going experience. I've ever conceived of. I'm going to a movie where a part of the movie experience is going to be grieving the death of a real man. Hmm. Hmm. While simultaneously grieving the death of the character in the movie. Yeah, like even... uh, The only thing I can think of is um, Heath Ledger. But even then, you know, it, it doesn't tie into the film. It's 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 a posthumous acknowledgement. This is both posthumous and it's just it it's playing into the narrative at that point. 
He's not even in the movie. Like, he's not <laughs> a character. Heath Ledger was a character. He played the Joker in that movie, and we had no prior engagement with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like we fell in love with Chadwick Boseman and with his rendition of T'Challa, and we'll never see it again. I can't. It's really tough to take. Yeah. Um, and it is going to be, you know, uh, Catherine mentioning that it's it's going to be a grieving thing together, collectively as an audience, but also, you know, with the um, with the cast as we watch the film. It is a grieving process, you know, and I think about the first time I saw Black Panther in theaters and how happy everyone was. I never had a movie-going experience like that before. Everyone was so happy. People were wearing traditional African, like, um, robes and garb. People were, you know, smiling, talking to strangers and all this stuff, and it's like, wow, this is what can happen. This is what, you know, entertainment can do and what it can be. And this time, it's the exact opposite. I'm not going into this movie happy. I'm not going there to laugh. I don't even know what I'm going there for. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I expect to be entertained. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Yeah. It's confusing. Um, this is how Marvel is choosing to end this phase of their films. This is the last phase four movie. Um, I think it's probably the most significant of them all for many reasons. Introducing Namor, obviously, is a big deal. I'm really excited for that. Um, Marco alluded to the fact that, you know, Namor's backstory and history has been altered here to make him... uh, Well, they're tying in Atlantis to sort of like Mayan history and stuff like that, Aztec stuff. Um, And they're shifting away from calling it Atlantis because Aquaman already exists and got out Mm -hmm. first. Um, And so they're referring to it as Talokan. Talokan. Um, Taloke. (laughs) But uh, so that's significant in and of itself. Um, It's significant because we're going back to Wakanda. There's so much to it. But of course, you know, without Chadwick, it just becomes a whole different beast. One sec, someone's yeah, at my door. Yeah, you, you, I'm rapping anyway. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be difficult to watch. It's going to be difficult to do a review. We will do a review. We will have a review out for this. Um, so next Monday, you can tune into that if that's something that you want to hear. Um, I make no promises about my objectivity. It's just going to be hard to talk about. And I think more than anything, the message that I've come away from this entire period, this intervening period, these two years post Chadwick's very, very, very untimely passing is that we as a people need to unite we do we're supposed to we're supposed to be together we're not supposed to be divided we're we're dividing ourselves it's it's within our own community it's within 
the black community that we're that we're having this push and pull and this this war about recast don't recast it's like how about we just shut up and feel something you know and share in that feeling whatever it is like you know i know that there's pain on both sides lean into what's lean into not what's different but what's similar about us we're all feeling the same thing and if you're not if you're not feeling it then quite frankly i don't care what you have to say mm-hmm. if you don't if if you're not impacted by the death of chadwick boseman and you feel like hey who cares just recast i don't care what you have to say if you're impacted by chadwick boseman's death that's a different story but there are a lot of people who feel like they have a say in this conversation and they don't. You know, some some things you can sit out. And when it comes to that, I think this is one of those. Hmm. It's unfortunate, it's sad, it's deeply hurtful, and I think people have to respect that. My hope is that people go out and see this, that they have whatever reaction is real for them, um, that we can stop the recasting conversation and focus on whatever the future of Black Panther will be after this film. Uh, I, one of the producers said the reason that they haven't announced a sequel yet is specifically because Ryan wants to see how the audience responds to this movie. Makes sense. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think the audience response to this film will... De- will dictate the direction you know um if audiences are unhappy and they really don't show any glimpse of a recast possibility within this film that might change things for marvel i don't know they might decide all right maybe not a recast but let's pull a t'challa from the multiverse you know uh, something like that. All things are possible through the power of the multiverse and comics. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can take that. You know, I don't. I don't know. I thought I could, but as we get closer to this movie, all I can think about is the fact that Chadwick's not here, and so I get it now. I understand why they didn't choose to recast, and I support that choice. For, for this film. Yeah, for this film, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts going into this movie, man? Um, I'm excited for the inclusion of, uh, of Nimor more so than anything else. Um, I think I don't know where I sit on the... I, I, I don't know how that you know funeral progression is going to affect me. Um, I know I'm going to be upset, but I think your point on like a community aspect i think that's part of the community can be happy that the movie existed for the first one and you know we're going to go see it and we're going to go experience it all together and i think this is one of those instances where the community is going to grieve the same way family does and you know family can be around for the birth of something but it's going to be there for the death of something and that's the way i'm approaching this is i'm going to be there with people who are fans of the MCU, people who are fans of Black Panther, people who are fans of Chadwick, all of these individuals who more so than anything else are fans first and 
they wear that on their sleeves and that's going to be the the first part of the film is going to be that it's going to be those people i'm fully expecting to hear full-on wailing like uh people just breaking down so mentally that's where i'm like just getting ready for that kind of stuff uh and then afterwards you know the the these new characters and the, their interactions and what this plays into the the larger mcu so i'm i'm very very excited for this film it's a somber sort of excitement but at the same time it's it feels cyclical like not in the movie aspect but in the some sort of birth will come out of this you know we we will see something grow from this the 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 death will be something that we can add as a marker for what is to come and the future comma optimistic will will be bright it mm-hmm. this is this is a, a dark period but that will be over we will we will see the growth of something we will see something good come out of this we will see momentum and movement and um i'm i'm looking forward to that and how this wraps my feelings about uh black panther the first film and then chadwick as well um and yeah i'm gonna see i'm expecting uh was it uh sherry to take over so i have i I don't know i have i I don't want to go in with expectations about that so i'm kind of just letting myself uh be surprised to see if that's how it plays out which seemingly it does but i'm gonna i'm gonna wait for to see how that plays and then decide how i feel about that moving forward if it is something that's moving forward or if it's just a temporary hold i can form my opinions after the fact but as of right now that's the only thing that i'm just holding my breath on and that's that's a uh the last thing that i i uh wanted to you know discuss is like it sucks that you know not only the recast conversation but like think about last year maybe around this time you know we were having the conversation around Letitia wright and you know, her being anti-vax and mm-hmm. not, and may, I think there was some type of transphobic uh, allegation there as well. Um, and Sounds familiar, yeah, but I don't remember. I, be, I believe there was. And the fact that, you know, uh, she was not a good fit for being the steward of this franchise, um, given these things that she has going on, what she was in the news for at that at that time. Yeah. Um to go from to go from a beacon of light, you know, for the whole MCU and Chadwick Boseman to someone who's still sort of struggling to find their way and, you know, maybe maybe doesn't represent the community as well, maybe isn't the best representative for the cast and crew that you know that we could have um it does suck and i mean even for the legacy of like the suit right it is a moniker it is it is a mantle and um i'm sure people will feel a way about the fact that she has it if she's the one who's going to be wearing it uh so people are going to feel a way about you know whether or not that is disrespecting to it as well considering the the good human that chadwick was 
Yeah. Everybody's going to have to make up their own mind at the end of the day when it comes to all of this stuff. Hmm. But, again, I want us to all see it and make up our minds based on what the film actually is, not what any one of us wants it to be. Yeah. Because 100% fact, this movie is not what anybody initially wanted. It's just not. It's not. It's not what Ryan Coogler sat down and and and, and wrote um, in 2019 and 2020 before he knew that he wouldn't have the king anymore. Hmm. In the podcast, he said, I wrote words with the man in mind, and the man is no longer here. Words that he wasn't meant to say because he's gone. Hmm. So... Please keep that in mind. You know, like, this isn't what anyone wants. But hopefully they made the best of it. I think they did. That's the mentality I'm going into it with. Same. And I just want to love it. I want to be able to grieve. I want to process. And I want to love. And that's that's the energy I'm going into this movie with. Let us know your thoughts. How do you feel going into Wakanda Forever? Please share... You know, your final thoughts going into this. And if you see it, leave us a comment with how you felt about it. Let this us is, know. Yeah, this is not going to be the last time we discuss our feelings as it relates to this movie. Um, so write in and let us know your thoughts. There are plenty of ways to get us. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals on all social media platforms, of course. Um, make sure that you are leaving us a follow, a rating, and a review wherever possible. That stuff helps us out. A ton. Um, if you want to watch this show live, that's YouTube and Twitch at the Comics Pals every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. If you want to watch Pals Pulls, that's every Thursday at 6 p.m. So uh, we've got two sh- two weekly shows for you guys to check out. Uh, we just put out our, our most recent book club, Harrow County. That's a nice, good uh, horror book if you're still feeling spooky you can go check that out join our discord server uh casey who was on the show earlier promoting bigfoot knows karate which is on kickstarter now bigfoot knows karate.com to check that out casey's a member of our discord server so a member of our discord server got in the show that's pretty cool um has been from the start and uh he runs a really good uh i guess program the comic jam which a few of us in the discord have also participated in yeah um just outright if you want to get your comics in your comics practice in one page six panels working within those restrictions and i think we had a conversation about restrictions with uh, al ewing yep. in our, our last episode and like how that can sort of uh help grow and help uh change your mindset uh in light of that conversation you know thinking about the comic jam please go give that a try. It, it helps you be creative when you work within restraints. Yeah, for sure. Um, Patreon.com slash the comics pals. Little as $3 a month. You can support your pals and you get access to some pretty cool content. I think we think um, we got a newsletter going. We got our exclusive show palling around uh, where we talk about all manner of different things that don't relate to comics necessarily. Uh, you can get a shout out on the show, which you heard earlier, um, and access to all other things you know that we do over here. So, 
give that a listen. Give that stuff a, a look. Um, Marco, your plugs. Yeah, thank you so much again for tuning into this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we've been putting out clips. We've been taking segments of the show, putting them out during the week. Let us know how you guys feel about that as well. I think it's a good way if, you know, maybe you just really want to get to the meat of a conversation, obviously come listen to the full show. But if you're just in for, I uh, have, you know, a quick 15 minutes and I really want to hear what the pals have to say about a certain topic, give it a listen as well. And, and let us know how you guys like it because it's something new we've been trying out. Um, otherwise, I, speaking of all the crying and the potential for uh, bittersweet sadness, I've been watching One Piece, which unexpectedly I pulls a tear or fountain of waterworks for me every, I don't know, like three episodes. Did not expect that. I've been having so much fun with that. Please talk to me more about One Piece. Had a good chat about it with um, uh, Matt for a little bit and then also Yeses in the Discord. Uh, always chatting about something related to to weeb stuff in that channel. So please come join the Discord if you want to do so. Uh, as for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. It's actually a big week for me because uh, not only is Wakanda Forever coming out, but also God of War 2 is coming out. God of War hey. Ragnarok. So I have been... This has been this this uh, video game has been a lifeline for me for the last few weeks. Just like, oh man, I, I I just gotta keep going so I can get to God of War. I didn't buy Call of Duty last week, like I said I was gonna do as a reward. So this will this will have to suffice. Nice. Very much looking forward to that. And that's all we got for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate every single one of you, whether you agree, disagree, wherever you fall. Thank you for listening. Until next week, Really Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.